Okay, guys, I've been working on this outfit for some time now, and my stepmom, Karen, says I'm not allowed to wear it out tonight. I mean, like... Respect the drip, Karen. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, August 24th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us here, as always, we got Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey yo. Hey, yo. We have the international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friend. Mm. And last but not least, making this magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is. Here we are. Lee is back from skipping stones, but Trey is now ripping lips. We always <laughs> have to have one man on the water. <laughs> so nice to have you back, Lee. Trey, where are you? Always on the move, always on the run. They're doing some repairs uh, in our apartment, so we had to be out of the house for a couple of days. Rather than booking a hotel, my wife, very smart, found a private little fishing cottage with a lake right out the window. So I'm running out there every time out trying to catch a fish, trying to rip some lips and talk ball with the boys. Have you had any uh, success on this pond or lake? Oh, baby, we're pulling them out, Skeets. We're smashing them. Uh, caught a couple of bass and a bluegill oh, wow, this wow. morning. Oh, man. Caught another one last night. Three bass in 12 hours. It took me like, uh, I don't know, 40 days to catch a single one in the first place. So feeling pretty good. All right. You're looking a little like uh, Mark Tatum holding up the team cards. Are those different fish Photoshop or are they same? Is this man a robot? <laughs> All right. Well, excellent. Uh, and there's some rumors I heard. Uh, I guess your your wife, Laura, was t- uh, texting Nora that there's some 10-pounders in this. Uh, <laughs> good luck with that. Uh, oh. Tune in tomorrow, hopefully. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Even the wives are in on it now. This yeah, is I guess I guess so. Well, shout out to everyone joining us live right now on YouTube. Thanks for joining us here on a Monday. Uh, Also, a kind hello, of course, to everyone listening to the podcast a little bit later. Keep your questions and your comments coming for this week's new Beach Steppin' podcast. I think we're going to pencil this one in for Thursday. So you got a few days to get your questions and your comments in. Email them nodunks at theathletic.com or tweet them in at nodunksing. And let me throw this in as well. This Wednesday... We're going to do a No Dunks Reddit AMA, a little Ask Me Anything. We've done this a few times. Always fun. 1 p.m. Eastern, No Dunks Reddit AMA. We'll share the link on our social media channels. But, uh, you know, if you got nothing happening on my, uh, Wednesday there at 1 p.m., join in the fun and ask some questions that way as well. All right. We'll talk fish. Yeah, we'll Tuna, talk. tuna sh- in for that. I'm sure we will talk fish. Uh, all right. We got... So much to get to here on today's No Dunks. Let's start with the Western Conference. Luca, the legend of Luca, grows. He hits a deep step back three at the buzzer to cap a monster triple double on a sprained ankle as the Mavericks beat the Clippers 135 133 in overtime to even this playoff series at two games apiece. An unbelievable shot, probably the moment from the bubble so far. Tass, what else do you want to talk about with this? Oh, come on. That, that was a moment. We thought we had moments with Damian Lillard in the seeding games. Right. Well, this was it. NBA players who are there, who are his competition, are chiming in because they need to say, wow, they had no other feeling than, wow. The guy who is supposed to go zero dark 30 right now, LeBron James, chiming <laughs> in. Bang, bang. They might meet... Uh, later on in the postseason, who knows? Damian Lillard, who is hitting the biggest shots, just says big dog. <laughs> and, <laughs> maybe he was watching SummerSlam. Did he return yesterday? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Uh, maybe he's watching Junkyard Dog, the intercontinental champions from the 80s. <laughs> uh, and, and D. Wade, who is a legend himself. Luca, we are not worthy. Yeah, we don't know what we're watching with this dude because he could have quit so many times in this game on that bomb ankle. No Kristaps Porzingis. This game goes into overtime. And he's going up against the guy who won finals MVP last year. They're down 21 in this game. He obviously has the will and the desire and the lack of fear to go up against anybody, even as a huge underdog. He's got all that. I think that's clear. He has that, and he also has the game to go with it. So we can we can talk about the game, and, and no one's going to make a stupid Larry Bird comparison here. <laughs> the guy can do it from everywhere on the floor. I used to think he wasn't strong enough or he wasn't athletic enough because he filled out his headshot avatar all the way that he just wasn't athletic because he looked a little chubby Uh, but he was going up against Kawhi on the inside there was the shot 
Um, but before that, he was still driving in and going into one of the best defensive players in the league. So I don't want to label him as this or that and whatever he's going to be. But here in his first playoffs, he is obviously not just part of the MVP conversation anymore. He's one of the best players in the league. I'm not going to anoint him the best, but he is one of the right. those few players. And he's not just a one-time or two-time MVP candidate. He's just one of the best players in the league because he can do everything. And he's hard ass as well. Uh, you said, or you pointed out there, LeBron pointing out the bang, bang, the Mike Breen voice. Double did, bang. Did a little research on the double bang. From what I could tell, and I got some help thanks to the internet, there's only been three double bangs in NBA history from Mike Breen. Steph Curry, the famous you know, 2016 shot versus OKC where he pulls up from like 35. Eric Gordon oddly got it uh, in 2019 versus the Lakers. It was a crazy shot. I mean, he was leaning in. He was trying to draw contact. He didn't get the whistle, but he hits it. But we got a bang-bang from Breen on that. And then Luca Trey with the well-deserved bang-bang. The bang, I mean, Breen's voice nearly cracked uh, from that one with that step-back three on Reggie Jackson. And we need to get into that. Like, what are you doing, Clippers? (laughs) You got Kawhi. You know, you've of course got Paul George still. You've got some other even good defenders on that team. And Reggie Jackson is left on an island there. That that switch there was a little too easy for my liking. And I'm sure Lucas as well. Yeah, I think uh, Lucas saw Reggie Jackson switch onto him. Started thinking about, I think you should leave. Too small. Looks yeah. at Reggie Jackson, just <laughs> pops it right in his face. Um, I don't know. I feel a little bit like Shaq on this one. We've seen this before. Who cares? Big deal. You're right. We have seen this before. Michael Jordan had to hit his first career playoff game winner. LeBron James had to hit his first playoff career game winner, and now Luka has. That was legendary stuff. That's a text-worthy game. The only question I have is, what's it going to go down as in history? Are we going to call it the sprained ankle game? There's been a lot of sprained uh... ankles. Yeah. In um in NBA history, you know, Isaiah Thomas playing through a sprained ankle. Dirk has done it, obviously. Guys sprain their ankles all the time. So, I don't know. The Luka legendary game. Um, the long Luka game. Yeah, maybe a bubble. Something like that. It was um awesome to see. Uh, when you're getting messages from people who aren't always basketball fans, that's when you know something is transcendent. Mm. What about the bubble bang bang? Mm. Oh, no, that's bang good, bang. Lee. Yeah. Lee, God, it's nice to have you back. That's damn yeah. good. Bubble Bang Bang is yeah. really catchy. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean to, you know, the shot, of course, is incredible, and you're talking about the switch off there, and Kawhi doesn't fight at all. Maxi Kleber's no. getting credit no. this morning and last night for, like, setting a good screen, and he did his job. He got into the position he was supposed to be in, but Kawhi sort of gave up straight away. So I'm guessing the message from Doc was just switch out as soon as it comes, if that screen comes, which it doesn't seem to be the right method because you've got Paul George, you've got Kawhi Leonard. One of those guys should have ended up on Luca. Having said that, Reggie contests it. He gets up as best he can, but Luca just sort of shakes him off and he's from so far out that uh, he knocks it in. And if you follow John Schumann on Twitter, you would think Luca's probably going to miss that shot because he didn't have great clutch numbers <laughs> until right. that point. But uh, it was just one of those moments that the superstar shone brightly uh, hit the shot and and there was never I know they have to review those things but uh, no one for a second thought that he didn't get that off in time and it was just a, an incredible end to what was a pretty wild game because in that first half uh, Tom Zilla tweeted it actually like the, the this game is giving us a little nap window because it looked like the Clippers were just going to blow them out yeah. when you knew Kristaps wasn't there and of course Luca on the ankle but that third quarter and you know for me a true leader inspires his teammates by the way they play. And if you look at the way Trey Burke has been playing and Tim Hardaway has been playing and Dorian Finney-Smith had an incredible sort of uh, save and a putback there as well, I think what Luca does is because he believes in himself all the time, it just makes those guys believe in themselves as well. Because on paper, this series really shouldn't be close. The Clippers have got far more talent and far more depth, but those guys that I mentioned, Hardaway and, 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 and uh, Seth Curry, like... Those guys, uh, they can give you some points, but they're playing way above their their sort of pay grade right now. And and I think that's because Luca is sort of just saying, listen, guys, doesn't matter who's out there. Let's just go out there and play. And he's leading the way by doing so much for his team. And uh, it, it's inspiring to watch because yeah. uh, it's it, this is, you know, Luca is continually uh, playing above almost the expectations we have. And we knew he was going to be good. We didn't expect him to be so good in his first season. And then his second season, he's doing even better. Uh, and, and it's just uh, an incredible series to watch right now, and it's so much fun watching Luca. Yeah, just back to the final shot there, too. I thought Rick Carlisle actually blew this game late, and what I mean by that is the Mavericks, there's like, what, nine seconds to go when they inbound it, roughly, and they threw it into the backcourt, 
And I was like, what are you guys doing? The Clippers have a foul to give. They obviously took the foul. Dallas wasted five and a half seconds. Like... Right there, because you know they're they're in the backcourt. They dribble it up a couple seconds or then, and then you can easily, if you're the Clippers, you can you feel confident taking that foul without a shot being attempted because he's coming up the floor. And you're like, what are you guys doing? Now there's like three and a half seconds to go, and you're thinking, well, there's not a lot of time to run a play. Um, you know, get your best defenders on on Luca, and this could be very difficult. Does even? I mean, I guess you sort of have enough time to drive with three and a half seconds, but it's gonna be tough. You're gonna be flipping something up, I think, at the rim. And still, it didn't matter. Just too easy, allowed to switch. Luca right there gets it like right where the ball is inbounded and then hits him with the step back. And you're right, the numbers said he had not been successful, especially when it came to hitting threes, right? In, in mm. clutch situations in late games. But kid was due. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was huge. And Doc Rivers is talking after this game about how emotionally weak the Clippers are, Tass. Um, you know, and that they're not the elite defensive team that we thought they should be or that he thought they should be. And I think there's something to that. Well, I think I'm not putting uh, words into Doc's mouth, but I think it was the beginning of the overtime. The first two scores for the Dallas Mavericks were an inbound under the Clippers hoop with three seconds left on the shot clock. They got a nice, easy inbound, did the Mavs underneath the hoop layup. And then an offensive rebound, they allowed second chance points, three from Tim Hardaway. So I think that's what he was referring to. They could have closed out the game if they played some defense, but the guy with the hobbled ankle uh, led the team against this this defense that's supposed to be tough and hard-ass, and I don't think Kawhi was supposed to switch. I mean, if that's the idea, what are you doing? It was it was it, part of the play uh, was it was just like way out there. You had lots of time to switch. It was sort of the beginning of the play. Luca didn't have the ball in the shooting position where you had to have a guy in his face there, which Reggie did admirably, but yeah. just so strange that your best defensive player doesn't take it upon himself to go out there. And and Kawhi had an awesome game. We're watching two of the best go at it. And I thought Kawhi was uh, cementing himself as the best player in the game the other night, like he did last year uh, as a member of the Toronto Raptors. Everybody calling him the best player at the end of those playoffs, but he should have got out there. And But one of the, I you know, it was nice to have a game winner that was let go way before the buzzer because there was no <laughs> question we didn't have to wait. Uh, for the guys to review it and yeah I talked about those clutch stats before the series and I wondered how tired Luca was going to be in fourth quarters and I think that's just why those numbers aren't so good and I didn't want to even state the digits because it's just not real and I just want to believe in, in uh, the myth of Luca. but the myth is becoming very real mm-hmm. and uh, no matter how many guys he had on the floor no matter how bum an ankle it was he was ready to come out and bomb away that wasn't a, a short three uh, that was something that Kawhi can't do that was it was it was it was a special one. And so, yeah, I think that's that's what Doc's talking about. It's just not enough hard-ass possessions, not enough tough possessions there. And I don't know why Kawhi didn't take that one. Yeah, what about Paul George, too? I thought you did other cool. things. Maybe you should take him on that possession. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Lee, you mentioned that it feels like the Clippers should have a huge talent advantage, but right now they don't. Paul George is struggling, and it's, it's unbelievable how much he's struggling to the point where it's basically one versus one right now between Kawhi and Luka. They're going back and forth with each other, and then role players for both teams are hoping to, uh, to, to fill up the box score. Last night it was Lou Williams for the Clippers and Trey Burke for the Mavericks. So if Paul George isn't going to be the second star, things are pretty even between these teams right now. Yeah, I mean, let's let's go through the numbers for Paul P. Playoff P. Paul P. I called him. Playoff P. P. E. E. I saw a network tweeting, uh, which is uh, you know, because he's playing like piss right now. He shot three for fourteen in game four. There, he missed six of seven threes. He finished with nine points, eight boards. The best part, though, of course, it always is with Playoff P. After the game, he said. He believes if he had made more shots, the series would not be tied. <laughs> I agree with him. Might be some truth to that. But in the past three games, yeah, PG is shooting 10 for 47, Lee, 4 of 25 from three-point range. Is it the shoulder? Is that an excuse? Is it what the Mavs are doing defensively on him? Or is he just in a rut? I mean, or is it all three? Uh, uh, probably a combination of all yeah. three. I think mainly he's in a rut because he did make a couple of nice passes, one to Reggie Jackson in the corner there. So he is still trying to keep himself involved. But his confidence right now on shooting the ball is just shot. And uh, you see it a couple of times. He sort of gets to a spot where you think, okay, this is his shot. And he doesn't know whether he should shoot or pass or what he should totally. do. So 
He's, uh, he's just a little bit out of uh, sync right now. And that's what happens, particularly in the playoffs. When you're in a series, it's like you, you need a new series and a new opponent. But <laughs> right now, uh, the Mavericks are kind of like, we can kind of let him shoot because he's not shooting it with with confidence right now. He's not sort of going inside. He's complaining with the referees. Like, he's, he's his mind is elsewhere. So uh, the Mavericks are just riding that out. I mean, he is a better player than we're seeing. Every, everyone agrees that he can be much better than what he's seeing right now. But, you know, sometimes when you're in one of a, a slump like this, it can just carry on for games on end. So um, it's still possible that he could come out and have a 30-point game and, and dominate, but uh, it's tough to see because he just doesn't seem to have that offensive uh, juice going right now. Yeah, Trey Kirby played great defense on Paul George last night, and here's what I mean by that. I swear to God, the internet played defense on Paul George. There was about 3.40 to go in this game, and I don't even remember that possession. Paul George, he just jacked a contested three. Zero passes happened. He's two for 11 at that point. He doesn't have a go in by any means. And I, he took that shot, I'm convinced, because he's like, God damn, Trey Kirby. <laughs> all these people hating on me, playoff PEE, all this. I'm going to hit this. I'm going to be the hero. I think that, I swear to God, I think that was running through his head. And how could it not? I mean, he's like overthinking things now. He can't hit a shot. And you've got everybody, you know, ripping on him on Twitter and stuff like that. So good job, Trey. You locked him up on that one. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's not just defense for me. I do a lot of other things out there. I can actually get going from the field. Uh, but, you know, at this point, I'm almost rooting for Paul George because he's just got it bad right now. And like you're saying, Lee, there are times like, it looks like here's a shot you've taken a hundred times in your career that you would normally be jacking. We call him one of the smoothest guys in the league, yeah. and it just looks like a hesitation fest, and he just doesn't know exactly how he wants to go about scoring because the shot hasn't been dropping. Um, but, you know, he will get it going at some point, and that really changes the series because if it's going to be Kawhi versus Luka, is it a toss-up? Is it a toss-up right now between those two? <laughs> Who's better between Kawhi and Luka? Kawhi obviously is bringing it defensively, but it would not be surprising if Luca won MVP next year, right? Like, he made a jump between March and August. He's going to make another jump, you would imagine, from October to January or February, whenever this next season starts. How good is he going to be? It's just <laughs> incredible to think. He, I don't know, it feels like he is the MVP favorite heading into next season. Yeah, but it's so weird, too. It's like, how can he possibly get better outside, I guess, of just more consistency with his three-point shot? Like, I think, like, what else mid- could he get better at? Like, he's like the going from the mid-range, to the mid-range. He was kind of a little bit lost at the end of the I fourth guess. quarter there. Not lost. Lost isn't the right word, but Kawhi was on him. And well, Kawhi's the best defender it. in the NBA. Yeah, he locked him up on that one possession like with a minute to go. He absolutely owned him on that one. You're right. but Yeah, back-to-back possessions there in the lane. Uh, he was just unable to to shake. Yeah, one of the better defenders. Yeah. But he's he is that strong. I think it's easy to forget. And I made that joke about you know filling out the the old uh, headshot avatar, the, the the full screen because I I didn't know how strong, athletic, big he actually is. And it's easy to forget he's six seven and that he is ridiculously strong going up against a guy who's you know essentially his height in Kawhi Leonard, but we all know is one of the strongest players in the league, but he was able to shake him and then yeah, he just wasn't on balance when he turned and did his, you know, standard spin, Gordon Hayward type spin and and shoot. So it's just it's just more another level physically, I, I think, but he is as tall as as Jeff Van Gundy pointed out in the broadcast as Montrez Harrell, uh, as a as a really big guy, and he's not LeBron's height, um, but he's the biggest one of the biggest ball handlers that can shoot from everywhere. So yeah, he's he's almost there. He's he's right there. Uh, and it was Paul George could have stole this game in the in the overtime though. He had three possessions in a row where he well the first one he had Seth Curry on him in the post and he said I'm passing out of this. For some strange reason, Seth Curry is a lot shorter than him. And then uh, then he got a layup, and they were up uh, two minutes left. And then he had another layup, but he missed. And if I'm a, if I'm a superstar, and I know he's off, uh, but they traded the world for him to come in here, and you're up 2-1. He forced it a little bit, but Kawhi wants him to force it a little bit. Everybody wants him to force it. A little bit, especially when you had that break in between the fourth quarter and overtime, you could have finished this thing, man. And uh, I, I don't think it's going to come back to bite them in the ass. Uh, they still have enough uh, to win this series. It's still best two out of three. And I, I'm still picking the Clippers. I'm not sure what you guys are picking, but um, he could have shed that label real quick. He would have shed it if they were up 3-1. And I think there will come a time where he does shed it, as, as Trey said. All right. Well, Tass still thinks the Clippers take this. Trey, you agree? 
Yeah, I, I do agree. I ultimately think Paul George will have a couple of decent games in this series. And I mean, who knows what's going on with Chris Stapps? He was a scratch late, uh, late yesterday. Um, so if he's not able to be back and Paul George actually shows up, then the Clippers are the more talented team. But I don't know. It kind of feels like picking against Dame Lillard during the seeding games <laughs> right now. Do you really yeah. want to bet against Luka? I mean, we saw what he did on a bum ankle. He just made a legend of himself in, in a night. So I don't know. Maybe this is going seven. Leah, what do you think? Oh, switch! Why not? Who cares? I mean, uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's great fun, isn't it? Really, because I I picked the Clippers to sweep this series because I simply thought their defense was too good for the Dallas offense. But right now, that offense for Dallas is has been incredible. And again, you're seeing contributions from guys. And Luca trusts his teammates. You know, the mm-hmm. way that he passed the ball. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. You probably saw it there, Skeets. He pulled up in traffic or like in transition yesterday. Yeah. Like it was 20 seconds on the shot clock, a tight game, and he knocked it in. But I think, again, Luca's like, man, you, that's who you've got to be if we're going to beat this team. It can't be just me going for 40 points and, and trying to carry the team. I need you guys to put pressure on their defense. And you're seeing it from everybody. And uh, so, you know what? Like, let's let's go for it. Let's see if the Mavs can pull this off. I mean, it'd be an incredible upset, really, uh, again, considering the injuries that they've dealt with. And uh, it'd be great to see this one if Luca can pull this off and, uh, and get to the next round. I hope it goes to seven at the least, yeah. Yeah, well, I hope so, too. This is definitely the series of the first round, undoubtedly. KP got an MRI, and so that's a bad sign. Mm. They're they're still waiting to see how how he is. But if he's anything like his teammate, he'll come out there, (laughs) right fresh off the MRI machine, and drop 40. Yeah, that's the tough part with trying to determine how the best of three now series is going to go is like, do I bet on Paul George bouncing back a little bit and playing just average uh, Paul George basketball here? Or do I roll with, not Luka. Luka's going to do Luka things. I mean, it's going to be 40, 15, and 15s. But Trey Burke going 10 for 14 again. You know, 25, those are huge He's points. Balling. Seth Curry obviously hitting big shots and talking smack to playoff P. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 like which one's more likely to continue yeah. for, you know, at least two times out of three games? I guess that's why I still go Clippers in this. But, man, like, uh, God, I pray it goes seven. I pray it goes seven so we have a chance to see if Luka can do it in a game seven setting, yeah. let alone a game four setting. But what a... What an unbelievable shot. That was, uh, that's incredible. Get the double bang, the bubble bang bang. Make the t-shirts now. Let's do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, the bubble bang bang, it was awesome. And when it happened, it felt like just any old playoff game, right? It felt the same as if you were watching a playoff game during any other season. Because that was a question for me. What's it going to be like when somebody hits a playoff game winner? We saw it, and they were going crazy. But I am thinking... When they're in the arena, it's much quieter. Luca had to have heard Mike Breen screaming, right? Like, Probably. he would have heard him yelling, bang, bang! He'd be like, nice, Mike. I know that was only yeah. the third one. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, no, you, I would think they could hear him. Um, like, I think I heard Simmons say this this morning. It would have been cool if that, that's game four. That's in Dallas. I mean... Because my favorite thing is like not only just hearing the crowd and going bunkers. I love that when they always give us that shot from like the back of the lower bowl or even the back of the top bowl, yeah. where you see you know twenty thousand plus like just go like instantaneously yeah, yeah. Uh, hands up like they're saying Lou Dort. Um, yeah, that, that's I mean I wish we had that shot, that iconic moment for Luca. But still, you're right. When he hit it, I'm screaming, I'm pumping my fist. It like the energy was there. I mean. Credit to, to Breen for dropping the bang bang. I mean, he was giving it all on his call. So yeah. I broke one of our strict family rules at uh, at the dinner table. There's no devices. But last night, because it went to overtime, dinner was ready. And I said to my wife, I'm going to watch this one. I'm not sure what's going to happen here. What time here. were you eating dinner? <laughs> well, it was like uh, six o'clock, wasn't it? No. I think. So what time late? was it? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're right. I got yeah. my I got my games flipped. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. The, you're yeah. right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and so I, I, I normally say no one's to have devices at the table, but I had the laptop out there. We were watching it. <sighs> And they and the rest of the family was sort of, I know, I know. The rest of the family were eating, and it was like when Steph hit that. I was like, "Oh my god!" And everyone came running over to see what I was talking about, and it was like uh, the family was captivated by it. It's so cool seeing like a, a nearly four-year-old just looking at the camera, looking at the screen, just going, "Oh wow, that's cool!" Like it was, uh, it was a great moment. Great oh, family bonding. He was just thinking, moment. "Oh, this is cool." Now I can watch my laptop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Devices on the table, baby. Yeah, he wanted me to put on one of his videos straight away. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. No. You're absolutely right. I was getting my games uh, flipped up there because the, the the Clippers Mavericks had been playing the late game, but yeah, mm. on the Sunday there they started at the whatever it was six o'clock, six thirty start. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they or programmed no, three, it right yeah, there. Yeah, 
was at 3.30 because it's ABC. It was the ABC game. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's why they program it there so all the family can be watching on a Sunday. So <laughs> yeah. everybody can yeah. be ignoring each other at the dinner table. That's what I was doing. I was not paying attention to my family whatsoever. I took in every possession. Hey, that's what phones are for. Ignoring That's everybody what phones else. Are Did you for? consider giving up? Did you consider doing the Ziller nap at all their tasks when it was a 21 point lead as the Clippers were dominating this game? Luca no, had five points. Early. Yeah. They came back in the second quarter. If it was the second half, maybe I would have. Yeah. But they were, uh, yeah, this, the freaking JJ Barea sighting. Hello. That man won <laughs> a, a championship nine years ago, coming off the bench, <laughs> taking off the old man's sweats and getting out there and, and helping out, just running an offense. And Boban. Keeps killing the Clippers. Keeps killing them. All right, let's keep it going here. This is going to be a very, very long podcast here on a Monday. Because we got to talk about Donovan Mitchell. His 51 points upstages Murray's 50 as the Jazz beat the Nuggets 129-127. to Another great game. This was, correct me if I'm wrong, this was the nightcap. This Mm. was the last game of the day. But Utah take, obviously, a very, very... uh, Huge 3-1 lead in the series, despite being the underdog in this. Lee, get us started. What are your takeaways? What an incredibly impressive performance this was from the Utah Jazz last night because, you know, Mitchell, of course, is a star, but they had so many ways of scoring the ball. And it starts, of course, with Mitchell and Gobert there. Basically, anytime they want a basket, they just get uh, Nikola Jokic in the pick and roll. And if he shows on it, they just throw the ball to Gobert and he gets a basket. If he drops back, then Mitchell just walks into an uncontested mid-ranger time and time again or layup (laughs) or or a layup or if Mitchell gets a high pick and roll he just decides to bomb that three he's got that stroke right now but then if it's not Mitchell Mike Conley's hitting threes Jordan Clarkson is absolutely balling off the bench for them and it just sort of feels like the Jazz have so many different ways of scoring and they just pick which one they want when they come down now it was a close game in theory this one and, and the Nuggets were in it but it felt to me more like they were just riding the hot hand of Jamal Murray who was incredible and he was scoring a lot But to me, that felt like that was a little uh, less sustainable than what the Jazz are doing because it just felt like the Jazz had way more control uh, on their offense. And Jokic offensively was okay, but defensively just absolutely burned to death out there. And, and, And you saw Mike Malone couldn't even go with Michael Porter Jr. because on defense, he was getting killed as well. Now, he's another offensive player for them. But what good is it if he's uh, if he's going to not be there defensively for them? So I thought Utah, again, this series has really surprised me just how dominant they have been. And again, it was a close game and, you know, the, the Nuggets had a chance to win this. But I just really felt that Donovan Mitchell was like, all right, I, I can really pick my poison here on offense and I'm going to get a basket for us. And uh, And they just did that time and time again. You saw it like... Jokic, the look on the look of defeat on his face a couple of times when it was just like, oh my God, they're, they're coming to me again on this. <laughs> what am I going to do? Do I come out and just get go give Gobert a dunk? Or do I sit back and hope Mitchell misses? And Mitchell right now, he's not even hitting the iron. He, every shot yeah. seems to just be swishing right through. And he's got the strut and he's got the swagger. And that play right at the end where Paul Millsat blocks him and kind of, he doesn't talk trash, he just stares him down as if yeah. like, you know, what are you doing coming into, my, into the paint like this? And then Mitchell has the best possible response by swishing a three right in his face and saying, I want this shit. <laughs> Apparently that's what Mark Stein said he was saying on the sides. And uh, yeah, I mean... You know, Luca, of course, is is, is the storyline this morning. But Donovan Mitchell in this series is not far behind him at all for for delivering on the big stage. Donovan Mitchell scored 16 of the Jazz's final 20 points. He is averaging in the playoffs right now, Lee, 39.5 points per game on shooting splits that are 56 from the floor, 51 from three on a ton of attempts, and 95 from the line. He's missed, I think, two free throws. He's basically been money there. And he's involving his team uh, teammates when the doubles are coming his way, too. That's another key part. He's got, like, 23 assists to 12 turnovers. He like, And he's not even the biggest story of the bubble. Like He's maybe yeah. the third or fourth biggest story of the bubble. The NBA is in good hands right now with these young stars. But that uh, you're absolutely right about the Nuggets. Like, Paul Millsap, the nerve of you to stare <laughs> down a guy after your team maybe played defensive possessions four times in this game. Maybe that you actually put up a little bit of a defensive fight. Yeah, okay, good block, nice. You guys barely did that at all. And like, come on. I, I like I like Paul Millsap, but uh, it was just weird timing to me. You guys are not playing a lick of defense, and you're staring down a guy that's already dropped 57 on you, and is going to go to drop another 51 on you. Come on. Yeah, yeah. they're the Enver Nuggets for sure. They, yeah. you know, they had a guy score 50. They hit 17 threes, and they had 17 offensive rebounds, and they still lost. That's a really bad loss defensively if you're the Nuggets. Um, Mitchell right now, 
he is the only the only guy who made more improvements in this time off is Luca. It looks like almost a different player. It looks like you're only getting the good parts of Donovan Mitchell. The poise is ridiculous. I don't really know how you uh, work on passing and timing of pick and rolls during a pandemic when the t- when you're not going to be able to actually go five on five that kind of stuff. But it looks like he's just in such good control of everything that happens on the court. Like Lee's saying, it's pick your poison with him. It's like, are we gonna? Are we going to be up on him? Because then it's going to be a dunk for Gobert. And Gobert's even putting the ball on the floor at this point. It's <laughs> ridiculous. And then Mitchell, the, the jumper's money. It's it, He's finishing at the rim like a young Dwayne Wade. And then when he goes to the free throw line, he's knocking him down. Like yeah. when he goes to the free throw line with 48, I feel like there's a lot of times where you're like, come on, man, you cannot miss one of these. You got to make it. You're going to get 50. And you have no, um, you have no doubt that Mitchell's going to knock him down. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell is taking that leap. He was... An all-star, obviously, but last year in the postseason did not look like half this player. And he just looks like a superstar, like a complete superstar. And part of it's the fault of the Denver Nuggets for allowing this to happen. I think Nikola Jokic and I, we we both share something. Like, we don't really do anything until our backs are against the wall. And I think Nikola Jokic (laughs) didn't show up in this series really defensively until this game. And, And, you know, he wasn't great. But he was trying his damn hardest because his team was down 2-1. But it's too late. The Jazz have found their flow offensively, so much so that they're hitting 57% of their shots in this game. They, they, they have you know, found everything on offense that works, and it's because of the Enver Uggets. That is their fault, and so the Jazz have stolen this series, and it reminds me of when the Jazz won whatever they won, 16 of 18 games earlier this season, where they are just knowing where everything is, Plus, Donovan Mitchell is becoming a superstar and is entering that territory of MVP candidates uh, if he's going to play like this. Uh, obviously, Jordan Clarkson was a key. Um, he he needs his own uh, his own little offensive fulcrum. He's found his role on the bench. He's, he's perfect for that, and it's really, really crazy. Uh, Trey, mentioned, or Trey said, how do you train to work the pick and roll when uh, you're not working with guys? I question how Michael Porter is just going to work on defense this offseason. Has a guy ever just worked on defense for four straight months? Because that's all Michael Porter should do. Like, he just doesn't <laughs> he just, it just doesn't click how to move his feet, how to get in front of guys. I think that's all he should be doing uh, this offseason. But, yeah, I totally agree. Den- or, uh, Donovan Mitchell is an underreported story because he plays on the Utah Jazz. I think that's a huge, huge part of it uh, because there's other bigger stories. And uh, he needs to win. He needs he needs to get to a, a conference finals. I think for him to uh, for him to get enough of the narrative to get there. But he's only the third player in NBA history to have multiple fifty point games in a series, uh, which is a wild stat to think of. Only yeah. MJ and, and Iverson have done it. So he is he is joining those those top people. Um, I wonder if it was a really good defense, and, and we'll hopefully see it in in the next round how the Jazz are going to play off that. Every series is different. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're going to be you know, uh, uh, an ugly, stagnant offensive team, but I just want to see with a good defense yeah. how they're going to progress. Yeah, as great as Donovan Mitchell is right now, I will uh, lock it in that he's not going to average 40 points per game in the <laughs> next round versus whoever he's playing. I, I think that's going to be the case here because the, the Nuggets are just, they're a joke defensively. It's, it's embarrassing. And Malone, I mean, he altered the starting lineup. He puts mm-hmm. in Montaigne Boris. He puts in Grant. He brings Porter and, and Torrey Craig off the bench. He's he switched it up. I mean, it didn't really do a whole lot of good. Um, this was very similar to Game One, Lee. Right? Like we had a historic playoff duel here, mm-hmm. and it was like Game One. What I mean by that, it was if it turned into Mitchell versus Murray for the most part. And Murray hit nine threes. He goes for 50, 11 boards, seven assists. This is the first time in playoff history two guys, uh, you know, opposing guys, drop fifty plus in the same game. It's only the sixth time in NBA history. So it happened in the regular season a handful of times for the first time in the playoffs. But the Nuggets, you said it, I remember a couple days ago, Lee. You're like, they got to do one thing. they got to decide which one are we taking away. Yeah. Like, Because we're giving them everything. They're hitting a ton of threes, getting good looks at those. Then they're also just walking to the rim. Like, you got to take away one. It's basically the equivalent of a kid showing up on Halloween at, the, at somebody's house and there's a bucket of candy, and okay, the ki- okay, this is perfect. The kid is dressed as Spider-Man. The person at the house, I guess, is dressed as the Joker. And the person at the house goes, um, you're allowed to take either the Kit Kat or the Sweet Tarts, or, you know, you can have an apple, but you gotta pick one. And the kid's like, nah, f*** 
that he just drops a whole bucket in his bag and like takes away like they're taking everything and, and the person the Joker's left going oh, exactly and the fa- the Joker's not pulling him up and saying hey 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 don't do that he's saying no, oh, okay then I the guess jo- actually yeah. you're right the Joker is taking the candy yeah. bowl and just pouring it yeah. into the kid's uh, pillowcase yeah, yeah it's and like, Lee is Mike Malone watching it all happen just like head in his hands <laughs> <laughs> but, but from, how, from how, how about just like the, the body language between Donovan and Rudy right now because remember Going back to COVID, this was when a little bit of a, a flare-up happened that they didn't have the best relationship. Right now, I think those two are just best buds because Rudy is getting exactly what he wants. Tons of ball on the offensive end, and he's playing defense, and his teammates are just saying, this is how important you are to us. And I think that's another thing that's kind of going uh, a little bit under the radar right now is that they're just they're all on the same hey. page. You know, They all understand what's happening, and uh, I think that's really but, significant for Utah because I've doubted this team a lot. Huh? And right now they're they're very they're playing very very convincing basketball. However, it is against a team that's playing an awful defensive uh, team. So it will be different as the playoffs go on and whether or not they can sustain it. But right now, I mean, Mike Conley with the with the bubble baby. I mean, he is just cooking as well. Um, but but Jordan Clarkson, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, like wow, he's out there going. This is you know, and Quinn Snyder's like, right, while you're out there, man, go for it. You 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 can be the offense. And he's like, great, I love this role. This is perfect. <laughs> but but the same thing. He's pulling up for threes off a screen, or he's just going inside and getting uh, mid ranges as well. So it's like this is a, a great situation for him. And uh, the Nuggets are just being exposed so so badly right now. And and when you think about their two key players here are Jokic and Murray. And Murray's okay defensively. He's still got to do some work. But the, the going forward, the big problem is how they improve Jokic's defense because he's he's the franchise player, you know, and uh, and and he just simply has to be better. Yeah, and that's the beauty of a playoff series. Like when you get a coach that's like, oh, that works. Let's just do that over oh. and over and over and over again until they figure it out. And they yeah. haven't. And I'm not sure they're going to this series. And uh, yeah, it's got to be... It's got to be tough to be Jokic and Malone and the entire Nuggets defense because they just mm. keep doing the same thing. Like you said, they plug and play the different person running the pick and roll. It can it can be Mitchell. It can even be Conley. It can be Clarkson. But it's the same damn play. <laughs> I mean, they're putting the same guy <laughs> in the same position and uh, making him make a decision, and he, and he can't. So, yeah, I don't think uh, – I thought this series was going to go seven. I think we all picked the Nuggets, uh, unless I'm mistaken, to ultimately win this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we said the Jazz just don't have enough guys who can score. Yeah. yeah. Not enough options out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah we uh, – yeah, that was a we screwed that one up. We forgot how bad maybe the Nuggets defense was, especially because the defense was brutal during the bubble games too. Um, mm-hmm. They were bad, but anyway, I thought it was going to go long. I thought it was going to be a close series, and uh, yeah, instead this could have been a sweep, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, the, the, the Jazz probably should have had game one. It could have been over already, but uh, we'll see if the Nuggets have any fight in them. Anything else to add to this one, guys? All right, let's keep it going here. Got to take a quick break before we get to the Eastern Conference games. Quick word from our sponsors here. Like most of you out there, I've watched a lot of basketball over the last few weeks. Talking about, I don't know, 10, 11 hours a day. So between never-ending hoops and then recording this podcast and cleaning my gutters, I got a lot on my to-do list, which is why I love to give myself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of the next meal. And my wife, Nora, loves that too. Because ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat. Last night, Vietnamese. Vietnamese is what I'm trying to say (laughs) over here. Very, very yummy. Your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Contactless. I hate that word, by the way. (laughs) I mean, it's good. I'm happy we have it, but I hate the word. I hate looking at it, and I hate trying to say it. Yeah, you were hitting the tact hard on that one. Yeah, I was. Contactless. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code NODUNKS. That's five fin dogs off and zero (laughs) delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code NODUNKS, all one word. Don't forget that's code NODUNKS for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Have you been thinking about getting a new couch? If you're anything like me, you've probably needed one like yesterday. I won't shop for a newie until I have a pronounced butt imprint in every cushion. I am lazy when it comes to it. But, pardon the butt (laughs) Burrow makes sofa shopping enjoyable. It does. You can customize it every which way. A billion ways. I'm serious. Pick your fabric color, leg finish, armrest style, and length. There are over 23,000 ways. And I wonder if they just wrote that in for an MJ reference there. 23,000 ways to customize your perfect sofa. 
Maybe a nice Chesterfield or an Ottoman? How about that? All from the comfort of your own home. Yes, baby, you can change things up with Burrow because it's practical and versatile. You can assemble your sofa or break it down in minutes and you don't need any tools. If your seating needs change, you can add or remove seats as needed. Convert a love seat into a sofa, into a sectional, and back. Burrow also offers a collection of affordable rugs, coffee tables, love seats, and armchairs. Right now, go to burrow.com slash nodunks to get $75 off your purchase, plus fast and free shipping. See site for details. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash nodunks for $75 off. Live sports are back. Very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. It's possible. It is possible. I guess it's That's possible. possible. Yes, it is possible. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure your Nuggets are as safe as possible when that matchup, if that matchup, happens. Now, last time I read a Manscaped ad, it was just before my 13th wedding anniversary, and I wanted to get my man muff all uh, nice and groomed up. And uh, thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man, I was looking uh, trim, taut, and terrific downstairs. Nice. So I was ready for the big night. We had a nice dinner, had some pizza and wine, and put the boys to bed and uh, moved into the boom room, hoping for some loving. <laughs> you know, you got to wait. You know, the kids, you got to wait till they're fast asleep too. You know, you don't want anyone interrupting you. So, uh, you know, totally. we were sort of snuggling, my wife and I, just you know, nothing getting too serious. And all of a sudden, I got the shoulder tap, but not the one I was expecting. <laughs> my uh, yeah, my eight-year-old uh, had had an early nightmare. And uh, no, the, no. the policy in our house is, you know, when, when one of the kids has a nightmare, to come and tell me and I'll uh, I'll go and rest up with him. So I had to leave my uh, bedroom and went and joined my son in his bedroom. And he was, uh, it was a bit of a, a bit of a doozy, this nightmare, because he was very clingy when I got in there. Oh, oh. So I thought I'm going to be in there for uh, the long run. And uh, sure enough, I was. <laughs> I fell asleep and <laughs> woke up at like two in the morning, still in his bed with him. And uh, I was like, oh, God. Going to, now my wife is going to be fast asleep. And uh, I know as a husband, you don't want to wake your wife up for an emergency, unless it's an emergency. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would say that's not oh, an emergency. This one was not an emergency, but it was pre-planned. Was the nightmare listening to this ad read? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my a, oh man! <laughs> so like Jordan Clarkson I, getting traded. You don't need an emergency oh, card in yeah. that instance. So you know, I woke I up in the morning. The room. I woke up in the morning and uh, <laughs> this is a Manscaped ad. I know, I know, I know. But I'm saying, like, thanks to Manscaped because of their uh, ceramic blade and skin safe technology, my snags were ready and I was ready. And they've actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to the the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. So I've got now 12 months to plan for next time. <laughs> It'll be real soon. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the one thing I do like, though, is the uh, Perfect Package 3.0 because uh, that lawnmower waterproof cordless body trimmer... Um, once you get used to it, you you get involved with that. You know, like it's cool to sort of you know because we always shave our face and our neck. Once you start shaving the uh, the fluff on your chest, it's it's hard to stop. It's hard to stop. So um, you know, I keep that up. And uh, right now, if anyone else has got a uh, wedding anniversary coming up, it's a great time because you can get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code theathletic twenty at manscape.com. So get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code theathletic twenty at manscape manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code theathletic20 take your grooming game to the next level and best of luck to everyone out there who's trying to have a better anniversary night than I did I mean listen all you can do is be prepared you know and I was um, so look, we made up for it a couple of days later, but it wasn't quite the same, you know. Oh, you didn't go back for round two of the trim? <laughs> well, no, the trim held firm. I didn't need to. Uh, I didn't need to uh, go back and, and, and clip up there. But um, look, you know, it's great when you have your wedding anniversary because it's the night where it's not like Valentine's Day where everyone's just in. You know, it's gimmicky. It's like that's your special night. Right. That's your special time. And right now, you know, it's it's a little tough to go to restaurants. So we made. The most we had some takeout pizza, which the family all enjoyed. The boys got a nice bottle of wine, nice Malbec from Argentina. JD probably would have uh, appreciated that. Yeah, and I was ready to go, ready to go. But uh, 
sometimes things don't work out as uh, as planned. Everyone's got a plan until you get cut them off, skates. Until you get <laughs> tapped, tapped on the shoulder. Now I'm actually just intrigued. His hair is growing back <laughs> yeah, as we speak. Yeah, I mean it does. It does grow back pretty quickly these days. But uh, hey, listen, man, you just you know you just got to be ready. It could be your anniversary night any night if you know what I mean. All right. On that note. On that note. Oh my goodness. Um, wow. That's why they pay us the big bucks for the batteries, guys. <laughs> Let's get to the Eastern Conference. I think we'll make this a little quicker, but Kemba Walker's 32 lifts the Celtics to the 110-106 win, and they sweep the 76ers. Brooms out over in the East. Um, see you later, Sixers. I think we'll get to talking about them. I don't know, if, Trey, if you want to start with the Celtics and, and the win, or you want to move right into blowing up Philadelphia. Well, let's just say that looking at Kemba Walker's box scores is like looking at a no dunks download report. The numbers just keep going up, (laughs) up, 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 up. We're talking about more minutes per game and more points. The guy is playing incredible. We've been saying it since the seeding games that he looks like he's very healthy, that it looks like the Celtics did a great job of bringing him along slowly so that he would be peaking come playoff time. And that's exactly what's happening Going into a Raptor series, which we'll talk about a little bit later with Kyle Lowry maybe being a little bit gimpy, Kemba Walker is going to look like a tough matchup because that guy is playing incredible right now. Yeah, this is another impressive win. It wasn't really that close to, you know, the final score. Um, But yeah, Celtics are going to be playing the Raps and uh, we got a few days to uh, tee that one up. We had that scary fall from Tobias Harris in this game Mm -hmm. too. I don't know if you guys saw that. Man, my own head was ringing watching that. Or he's bleeding all over the floor because he had the left eye laceration, possible concussion, but I guess he cleared that. Came back to this game, which was shocking because, again, they were down pretty significantly. So Celtics look amazing, but let's talk Sixers because we've got to figure out where they go from here. Now, Woj is already saying Brett Brown is without internal momentum to return for his eighth season as coach <laughs> and that a final decision could come soon. Um yeah, so basically John's reporting that it's literally a matter of time before yeah. this actually yeah. happens. And when you hear Joel Embiid's comments after the game, you can see why. Embiid said he's a great guy. He's an even better person than a coach. He's going to be a great friend no matter what. When a player is saying you're going to yeah. be a great friend, you're probably not going to be sitting on the bench for too much longer. Is he getting a raw deal? I don't know. I mean, he's been there for, what, seven years, Brett Brown has, and the first four were just filled with losing. Uh, That was kind of the point, and he did a great job, and people gave him a lot of props for having a defense that played hard and the fact that they went out there and played hard every single night. That was was all you could ask for from Brett Brown and the Sixers when they first started the process, but now that they have some uh, high draft picks, some guys who are all-stars, there are expectations, and despite the fact that neither Simmons and Embiid can stay on the court together... Uh, for the whole time, there's just no chemistry between them. There's no consistency. It feels like they haven't really built anything despite having had a few different iterations of this team. You know, there was the Jimmy Butler era. Now we're in the Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, Horford era. There's been a lot of different looks for the Sixers. So you might say Brett Brown has had a lot of things to try and figure out. But when you see the way the Sixers season ended you know they're going to make a change, and it's not going to be Simmons or Embiid. It's probably not going to be Elton Brand. So who else is left? It's Brett Brown. Yeah, Brett mm. Brown is gone. But Tass, you're the Sixers GM. Brand, you're out of the way. Tass, you're in. Okay, you fire Brett Brown. What do you do next? Because you have a lot of money guaranteed to nine players next season. A whole lot of money. I think $144 million And what, the luxury tax might drop from its current $132 million. So... Can you move Horford? Is that even possible? Can you move Tobias Harris? Is that even possible? What, he's got $150 million left on that deal. Or do you really look to make a crazy move and trade an Embiid or trade a Simmons and actually get something back? Or is that insane to you? And just like, let's get another coach and see if he can make it work. What do you do, Tass? Yeah, I think you start with that. You start with the coach scenario because there's a whole lot of talent in that room. Let's remember that. And there hasn't been consistency on the floor. Uh, But there has been some consistency with the words going on from the players. Jimmy Butler left and said, basically, our coach is too soft on us. The the first month that he was there, he spoke up in a meeting and uh, acknowledged or or pointed out that, hey, we have to do things the right way. And uh, he was calling out Brett Brown from, from the first day he was there. Josh Richardson, who has only been there a year after they get swept, 
said there has to be accountability in the room. That's the exact same thing that Jimmy Butler said. And he's and he's talking about Joel Embiid. Who else would he be talking about? He's not talking about Big Al or, or Tobias. He's talking about from the top, and it has to be uh, done by Brett Brown. So, you, yeah, you would, you'd like to think, you know, maybe Al Horford or Tobias Harris moves and what? Things click? I mean, every time we talk about the, the Sixers, we are talking about Joel Embiid, uh, you know, being the best version of himself or this team gelling being the best versions of themselves and we haven't even seen anything close to that we haven't seen any continuity on offense and it's i don't know what what horford would bring back if you can trade him if you have to who's gonna even take that right i mean he's Mm. got three years 80 million right yeah i mean i think there's uh, he i start with tobias him over tobias because i think there would be somebody who would take al depending on the package you know maybe you have to attach something over uh you know tobias's you know four giant years uh, Mm -hmm. four huge huge max years because Al, you, I think you can still look at and say, well, maybe. Anyways, I don't think I don't think that's the, the the goal right now. I think the goal right now is to get a coach in there to set a plan. And uh, seven years that he got was a lifetime. And I think you do have to point out that he took this team from the bottom of the barrel, the absolute bottom of the sea, the scraps, the crustaceans down there, and he brought them up, but. Uh, he couldn't take this team from good to absolutely great. And uh, I am tired of hearing every single player in that locker room say stuff like, oh, I don't want to get swept. Oh, I'm healthy this year, but I'm not so healthy this year. I'm just stopping my uh, my meat-eating diet, and I'm not eat- I'm not drinking Shirley Temples, but I am sort of drinking Shirley Temples. I'm just <laughs> done hearing all that stuff. It's up to a coach to hold things accountable. And it's just it's a, a player's league. They have a lot of talent, so they're not moving any of those those big-name guys. And, and and they're not moving, I don't think, Tobias or Al Horford because you got to trade away assets. And they've already traded away a billion assets yeah. to get Tobias Harris. You're, you know, you're probably going to have to attach picks to that. So it, it doesn't help out the long-term view if you're doing that. that the first step is going to be, let's try and make Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid work. But can a coach do that, Lee? Can a coach, another coach, make this roster, which I think Tim Bontemps called a roster more suited to 1999 than 2019, <laughs> um, can he make it work? And what, because what he means by that is like, you know, they believe their size and physicality, that would make, give them the best defense in the league, and that would win the playoff series. And that proved not to be the case. Now, I know Simmons isn't there. That's huge. But do you believe a new coach can make this work there? Yes, I do believe they can, but I don't know who that guy is. I mean, I think you can look at like now. This is a different example. But Shaq and Kobe didn't win until Phil Jackson came along because he was able to communicate to them and and get through. Now that's a different situation, but it's also the, 1999. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But but yeah, you 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 don't. I think right now you still you don't want to give up on one of those guys unless you're getting an absolute certain uh, you know certainty in return. So the Sixers, the the first move is say, all right, Brett Brown, you're out. We'll try somebody else, and then they go from there. But you know, you look at Al Horford, and I, and I think there is still going to be enough interest. I think some teams will go, look, listen, he's a, he's a consistent player, he's a good defender, he spreads the floor, he's still young enough that I think someone will want to at least say that was just a bad situation there for him in Philadelphia. So I think he's got more appeal than a Tobias Harris because I think Tobias Harris just doesn't perform. And uh, that that's the biggest problem is if you get Tobias Harris, like he's going to give us, you know, 16, 17 points, eight rebounds, but it doesn't really impact the game. I think there's still a chance Al Horford can do that because uh, he, he is an underrated player, but this situation just didn't work for him. But Doris Burke mentioned this on the broadcast yesterday at the end of the game. She basically unloaded on the Sixers just yeah. saying, listen, man, if you think Brett Brown is the problem, then uh, that that's the problem you have. It starts at the top down. Yeah you know, a badly constructed roster and, and, and now you're just going to make Brett Brown the fall guy. So that seems to be what happens in these situations. And that tweet you read from Woj sounds to me like the Sixers said to Woj, just don't announce it yet, please. Okay. Just give us a day. Let him get off the plane first before he announce it. It's like before he, uh, before he does the draft picks, you know, Woj just writes something like that. So um, yeah, I can't see why they would, would keep ben, uh, Brett Brown on right now. They kind of have to just do something just to show they're doing something. And then it's all those peripheral pieces outside of Simmons and Embiid that they have to try to somehow get get rid of. And, and it will. It will cost them an asset to trade someone who's got an enormous contract like that. And uh, that's not a, not a good situation for Philadelphia to be in. If you had to, though, if it got to the point, okay, new, new coach comes in and it still is not gelling. And what I mean by that, of course, is Embiid and Simmons is still mm. not going to the levels they should be. And you say, and maybe one of them's grumbling, like, I want my own team. I don't want to play with this guy anymore. You know, behind the scenes, through their agents. 
Who would you move, Trey? If you're the Sixers, you're a new coach. I mean, maybe you're even a new GM in there. You have to pick one. Who would you want to keep to build around? Is it Embiid or is it Simmons? It's Simmons for me now. It probably would have been Embiid through the first three years of his career. But I think uh, I think part of the reason that the Sixers defense isn't as good as it should be is that, is that Embiid isn't in as good of shape and doesn't have the disposition to dominate every single night because he should be the best defensive player in the league. He can move his feet incredibly well for being a guy who's seven foot, 300 pounds, and he's a great rim protector. He should be the backbone of a defense. Look at what the Lakers did playing a similar two bigs lineup. They've had one of the best defenses in the league for the entire season. You hire a guy like Frank Vogel, a defensive-minded coach, maybe somebody can actually build it around if everybody's putting in the effort. And, you know, Simmons was a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, He'll make the all-defensive teams, and surely Embiid will make an all-defensive team as well, I would imagine. I guess it's a, it's close. It's close for him. But Simmons, Simmons, to me, we're seeing how important he is to the Sixers. He creates every shot for them that's not a post-up. He can score in transition. Yeah, you would like to see him take a three and have a three-point shot, but it's not there yet. But he's still able to get just 16, 17 points a game and then bring it with defense on the other end of the mm-hmm. court. The way that the NBA is moving, the way that the league has moved, you need somebody who can create off the dribble and can get shots for other people. I don't think Embiid's made enough uh, strides as a creator out of the post. When he gets double teamed, like we saw against the Celtics, he threw that pass to the corner. Easy pick for Marcus Smart. That happens all the time. He's not a good enough passer. He's not in good enough shape. And he doesn't give uh, enough effort every single night. So give me Simmons at this point. Yeah, would you guys agree with that, Tass, Lee? Yeah, I would. I think uh, Simmons has got a sort of a, a longer term, better longer term prospects because I think, uh, I mean, they've both had their injury concerns for sure. But e- even Embiid just in this series, it just looks like he has to work so hard just to get himself into uh, super athletic shape. And uh, I think those things are going to catch up with him uh, the further his career goes on. And just, you know, the, this series, a couple of times you wanted him to just go down and be just so determined to just continue to punish the Celtics inside. But he kind of he does it for a few plays, and then he just wants to take those mid-range jump shots, and uh, that's the problem. He doesn't seem to me to be really able to just say, right, this is this is how we're going to win this series, by me just going inside and trying to put up 50 points and getting them in foul trouble and trying to just live at the line. But um, he just doesn't seem to have that commitment right now. Tass? Yeah, there's going to be a coach be- There's going to be a coach who gets installed there who his, his job is to get the best out of Joel Embiid and try and maximize what that guy can do both sort of on the court and off the court and to be uh, a health freak if that's possible to have him devoted to the game if that's possible uh, a little bit more so because you know we saw as the series went along forget the offensive end on the defensive end we're talking about this team being swept this is the last game of your season and he wasn't stepping up in pick and roll opportunities he wasn't leaving it all on the floor and uh, you know, maybe that's a sign of, hey, we don't have Ben Simmons and I know we're done. But it's also the locker room is just uh, a, not a cohesive place. So uh, the, his talents have not been maximized. The, 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 the offense had a he had Brett Brown did have a, a, a full season to make it work on the offensive end. And um, I'm not sure if it can work because of the personnel. But uh, at the same time, somebody else is going to get a shot and. Uh, Hopefully, you can make it happen because they're those are just too talent. They're they're too talented to move on from at this point. Let's keep it going here. Raptors overwhelm the Nets 150 122. That was the final score of that one to finish the first round sweep. I'll get us started. Congrats to the Raptors on successfully pulling off the franchise's first ever playoff sweep. That's a first. It dropped 150 points on the Nets. That's a Raptors franchise playoff record. 39 assists, also a Raptors franchise playoff record. And the bench scored 100 points like they were Wilt Chamberlain out there. That's an (laughs) NBA playoff record. 100 points coming from the bench. All that's great. Again, congrats. The Nets put up a bit of a fight. I mean, they're missing like seven guys. You know, they were in a couple of those games at least. You know, I thought they played admirably. They put up a nice fight against the Blazers again back in the bubble scene games when a lot of teams wouldn't have given a crap. But all you're taking from this one as a Raptors fan is you're waiting to hear the news regarding Kyle Lowry's injury and the MRI results on, I guess it's the arch of his left foot. You know, they were calling it his ankle, but it's the arch, which makes me even more concerned um, because we now know it's going to be Celtics-Raptors. Everybody's pumped for this series. We've been talking it up for the last couple of days. It tips Thursday, Tass. You know, we nice. uh, we debated and we contemplated whether or not they were going to bump this up. My God, they're bumping it up. We're going Thursday. Raptors-Celtics and... 
you know, what's your opinion on the on the Kyle Lowry injury? He only played like nine minutes and he hobbles off, and now we're waiting on the MRI. Like I said, not good. You don't want your um, you know, your leader possibly banged up heading into a series against a blood battle that's going to be against the Celtics. Everybody knows Kyle Lowry is going to be on the floor. Take it from this non-doctor who has no idea what's going on <laughs> with his arch, which you don't very you hear very often in terms of a, a basketball player's injury, which is weird. You probably you think that you would hear arch a little bit more often. True, um, but uh, I'm guessing that Kyle Lowry will be there three days off. It's enough for Kyle Lowry. I'm I'm guessing. I, you know, it's it's debatable. Do you want more time off for? Lowry to heal or do you want to keep playing this well and have a, mm. your game start a little bit quicker and the fact that you've been in Florida the longest out of any NBA team do you, do you want to just sit there in the bubble for a full week which is <laughs> you know what uh, was the the projected start date was a week today uh, so uh, I think Lowry will be on the floor and I think this Raptors team you mentioned all those stats uh, they are the only team in the NBA who have made the second round five straight years, which is uh, phenomenal. They're holding playoff records left <laughs> and right. Team <laughs> records, winning records. The Toronto Raptors. Uh, do you think that Kyle Lowry will miss a moment? I just, I doubt it. And I know even front off the front office and 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 the coaching staff. Nick Nurse said, I don't think he's going to miss a second, and he has no idea what's going on with the injury either. He's just <laughs> speaking to the man that is Kyle Lowry, and so he might be hobbled. Um, but I don't know. I just yeah, can't doubt him. You do hope it was a little bit of the case of like, ow, I hurt my arch, I hurt my ankle, my left foot, whatever. And we're playing the Nets here, and it's game four, and uh, I think we're going to be okay if I if I sit the rest of this game out, and I'll just be really, really cautious about it. But yeah, then you still get the MRI happening. You never know what's going to show up on that thing, and suddenly, oh, Lowry's over the season or the rest of the year. You would hope not. I'm with you, Tass. I think he'll be there. The guy's a dog. He's going to play. And I hope he is, because I hope for basketball fans, you know, not only just being a Raptors fan, I want to see, and there's already no Gordon Hayward for the Celtics, and that's a disadvantage in this series. It truly is. Um, but still, there's a lot, a lot of talent, especially out on the wing in this series, and there's some depth, and there's great coaches, and I'd like to see them at least healthy enough to go head-to-head and see who can uh, come out on top. This is the first time they'll ever play in the playoffs. Mm. The Raptors and the Celtics, which is mind-boggling, both being in the same division and both making the playoffs for the last couple of years, as Tass said. So, very excited for this. I don't think we need to set it up yet today. I mean, we're already an hour in here. Didn't know Lee's Manscaped ad read would go for 20 <laughs> minutes. I'm glad it did. Um, but let's save this for either tomorrow or you know Wednesday even, or even Thursday, because you said it's not to until Thursday. So we have some time to really you know sink our teeth into Celtics, Raptors, some things we might see in it. And, uh, you know, preview it and then ultimately predict it. Okay? That makes sense. We don't need to do it here today. But Mm -hmm. congrats again to the Raps and Silks taking care of uh, business. Good for us, too. A few less basketball games here maybe like this week. It'd be nice just to get to two on a couple of those days. So that's great. All right, Tass, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Alvin Gentry recently fired by the New Orleans Pelicans as their head coach but he is a bigger man than I he took out the media to a dinner right after Alvin Gentry how good a man are you this is tweet coming from Fletcher Mackell a sports anchor for NBC New Orleans you can see a lot of the New Orleans media around him sitting there and what the tweet said was the coach who was fired took the people who wrote, talked, lobbied for him to get fired to dinner. When we went low, Gentry went high. I would never do something like that. Alvin Gentry, (laughs) you are a good, good man. And, you know, there are a lot of tweets out there, a lot of tweets about uh, Kobe Bryant's, you know, 42nd birthday, which would have been yesterday. Um, Those are all great. The Nike ad was phenomenal. But I wanted to highlight this, this, this note, this act of, brilliance this act of decency that this man i did not have to do whatsoever he's 65 years old he just got canned and he's taking out the media i'm gonna be a grumpy ass 65 year old there's no way i would take the high road in that situation so just wanted to highlight that from gentry good man so you think he paid for the bill then oh yeah those guys are smiling there 
Yeah, he, he <laughs> definitely picked. Yeah, up but there's no food on the table. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he just got like a, some it's appetizers. All water, yeah. That's it. Yeah, we got some nachos coming. See you guys later. That's how good the food was. They ate every crumb. <laughs> Scarfed. All right, so Gentry getting tweeted tonight. I like that. Nice little show. Yeah, you're right. It's Mamba Day today. It's 824, August 24th. So shout out to everybody, Mamba Day. Guys, let's set it up for today. This is our last day of quadruple header basketball. That's it. No more four games on after today, Tess. Well, you never know. You never know. On Wednesday, they could still have. We could still have one if uh, Indiana makes it three one. Tass, this is the last day for quadruple <laughs> header basketball. Tass, that's yeah. it. This is the last one. See, I know. I know you're yearning for a non four day. You want to get on the roof, make sure your east troughs are all cleaned out. <laughs> but but that means less wedgies. Less basketball means ooh, less wedgies ooh. as well. Oh, uh, I'm so upset. We had another. There was another one yesterday that it's like. I think it was Brian Anderson was on the call again. I thought he was going to drop the neckline. You tass your nod in your head. You know the oh, shot. Yeah. There was another yeah. one that was very close. There's been, I think there's been five in watching all these games that were like near wedgies. Mm. So, mm-hmm. so close. But uh, anyway, I think this, I, I do think the uh, the Heat sweep them here today, but but well, set up the day first. Well, you said that maybe the neck's a little loose on these rims. They went up and checked if it was level. Mm. Maybe Checked they should the measure in between the... Uh, the the backboard and the side of the rim there maybe it's a little bigger down there in Orlando <laughs> but yeah uh, so quadruple header starting with Milwaukee Orlando on NBA TV then a triple header on TNT Houston OKC Miami Indiana Portland and the Lakers you notice how I mentioned all the TV networks that's what all the ads should have all the TV networks on them let's support the game let's celebrate the game let's not be combative here my network is better than yours your network is better than mine anyways I'm looking forward to the last game of the night Blazers and the Lakers Damian Lillard after watching Donovan Mitchell and Luka Doncic banging shots home from that same spot on that floor which is you know one little quirk of this uh this bubble scenario those guys shooting from the same floor Damian Lillard is out on that floor trailing the Lakers 2-1 he's gonna be giving it all this is a must win I I don't think they're coming back from 3-1 and so this team made the conference finals last year this would be a huge disappointment if they're out in the first round and so Lillard is gonna put on somewhat of a show against a very tough Lakers defense and I say somewhat of a show because you never know with this Lakers defense. They may just decide to take it out of his hands. Yeah. Um, but uh, Clip, or the Blazers were, were doing some smart maneuvering there, not bringing a pick at times. So you're just playing one-on-one out there, unless you're bringing a double from 15 feet away, and then you're playing four-on-three. So there will be some dancing tonight. All right. A couple good games there. Um, big games, like you said. I mean, you're either tying up series here uh, in some of those, or it's 3-1 and it's for the most part, a wrap. I don't think a lot of us will be picking it. A lot of these teams come back from 3-1, so we'll see. And whether or not the Pacers can stay alive, I'm doubtful. Lee, what do you think? You think the Heat end this in a sweep? Yep, they've been too good, and uh, so they've just good. controlled this series. So, yeah, I think they're heating four. Okay. Trey, what do you final prediction on that one? What do you think? Four? Give me the brooms. How many fish are you going to catch today? Give me that prediction. Also four. All right. Throw it up. I love it. Guys, mm-hmm. email us your questions and comments to nodunksattheathletic.com. Grab yourself some No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. If you listen to the podcast on iTunes, leave your boys a five-star rating and review. We really, really appreciate it. Let's call it there. That was a long one. But we had a lot to talk about. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, folks. And remember, Alvin Gentry living up to his name, Gent. <laughs> Thanks for the pun, Edward Marshall, in the comments. I've never, ever missed a pun. Don't you ever say I missed a pun, Edward Marshall. Embrace the day, people. <laughs> <laughs>